Welcome to the Hunting for Purpose podcast, the official podcast home for all human design manifestors. I'm your host, Holly Marie, a 4-6 clinic manifester, a certified human design teacher, and a manifester who is following her own creative urge to facilitate a thriving global community of aligned, powerful manifestors. Wherever you are at in your manifester journey, or even if you are here just because you love a manifester and you want to understand them a little bit more, this podcast is the place for you. Stick around for in-depth teaching, for real-life practical tips and understandings of the manifester journey, and how to become aligned and powerful and thriving as a manifester. You are here for global impact. You are here to change the world. The time is now. The journey is yours. This podcast is your home. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to this episode of Hunting for Purpose. I'm happy today. I'm excited today because we have a returning guest on the podcast with somebody that you guys love. You have loved the previous episode episode that she did with us. But more than that, uh, this woman is one of my very, very close friends, has been an enormous support and sounding board through my journey, um, has given me a lot of wisdom from her own life experience and from her entire catalog of knowledge and information. So I'm really, really, really thrilled to not only just spend some time with her on the podcast today, but to have a conversation combining our areas of expertise and bring it into some cool stuff for manifestors. So welcome on to Caitlin Carehart. Hello, Caitlin. Guten Tag. <laughs> Guten Tag <laughs> for our German <laughs> listeners. I love it. <laughs> Um, now, of course, I don't, if you haven't listened to the previous episode with Caitlin, I think it was about maybe a year ago now, I think. Uh, yeah, it was actually April of last year. No, so it's been a year. Yeah, Just it's been a exactly year. a year. That's wild. I, love I feel it. like I've been on so many times, but it was only the one time and it's just like all the conversations of us talking that I'm like, oh yeah, that wasn't a recording. We did not record that, but we probably should have because it was really good. (laughs) Now, if you've listened to the last podcast episode with Caitlin, you will know that she is a world-renowned numerologist. She's a best-selling author of You Are Cosmic Code. She also does astrology and the Mayan. She is a phenomenal human being, also a singer-songwriter, just to add add anything in <laughs> to your mix. You know, people think I'm an MG because I do so many things. And I'm like, <laughs> no, actually, yeah. No. Nope. And don't forget, I'm a 3-5, three 3-5 five, three yes. five profile line, emotional as well. So it's tough over here. It is. It is tough. Caitlin is one of the few manifestors that is very, very defined in her energy centers. So you have a lot of definition and I have a lot of lack of definition. I have a lot of undefinition. So so we we tend to balance each other out pretty well. But do you want to tell people a little bit more about you, Caitlin? What are you what are you currently up to in manifestor style? Yeah. Um, well, I just moved to Nashville, Tennessee, so I'm living in the South. And um, yeah, I'm a numerologist. I'm an astrologer. I'm also fluent in human design and the Maya and the 52 Oracle deck or 52 card deck, um, which actually predates tarot. And I kind of bring all those tools into sessions. And I've done that with Holly before to kind of like fully decode her. Um, I'm also a musician. And yeah, I've just 
I just put out a course. I have my numerology reports and I'm just kind of three, five in life right now. It's been a lot the past few months, I think for everybody with these eclipses and just being in a universal year seven, which for those of you who are not familiar with numerology, uh, 2023 is the energy of a seven, which is the, um, energy of spiritual awakenings. Uh, so it's just been, it's been a lot. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. I came into this year thinking, I, do you know, I have had so many spiritual awakenings, awakenings along my journey, you know, since my, <laughs> my first one, and I'm probably fine. I am getting yeah. my ass kicked. I am getting my ass kicked. <laughs> Me too. I think, I think honestly, everyone is, and that's, what's so interesting about what I do is that obviously, I don't know if it's like this for you, you know, obviously like my friends and family will text me and be like, what is going on? Like things are so crazy, but the amount of DMS I get on Instagram from people. And of course I can't respond to all of them because we're not made to, but I'll see them and they'll just be like, Oh my God, today was such a hard day. And it's really interesting to see, like, there are specific times where everyone seems to be feeling it so intensely. And it kind of makes me feel like, oh, okay, cool. Like we are we're connected. Like, it's not just me feeling this. We're all kind of going through it at the same time. Yeah. I think there is definitely a collective experience happening. Um, (laughs) We are going to go in the direction today of specifically talking about relationships, having come off a universal six year last year, being all about relationships. And there was Mm -hmm. a lot of upheaval a lot of upheaval in relationships. And um, of course, I personally am in a year six this year. So going into the relationships year, it feels like I've done a double header of relationships. It's just a lot. But you and yeah. I have have journeyed uh, really pretty closely together, I, I guess, over the last eight to nine months through a lot of relationship change, uh, transformation, some you know, some death, some growth. It's been, it's been a lot. And that was our intention, right? In creating this episode is to have a space where we share all of that, you know, what has happened for both of us. And hopefully along the way, just accidentally drop some wisdom that might be useful (laughs) to other investors. And Um, Emily and I talk a lot about relationships and we've really been there through these storms over the past few months. And what I love about talking with Holly is that like every time we're talking about relationships, we're looking at it through a lens of human design as well. And the fact that she's a four, six, and I'm a three, five and I'm emotional and you're splenic or sacral. Yeah. It's just, we've, we've really had so many interesting conversations around like our different approaches. And I learned so much from Holly and hopefully you learn from my three, five, uh, failing forward, uh, situation. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like our whole thought process behind kind of speaking more to relationships. And maybe this can help other manifestors because we're just so different from the other types. Mm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't think that that has been clearer to me ever in my life than it it has become over the last several months really in in seeing how uniquely I live in relationships as a manifester I think that has become very apparent and certainly what I've observed in the manifester community as a whole is that yeah we've really all started to identify 
hey, we do this, we do this differently to what the rest of the collective does. And um, that says to me that we have a responsibility both individually but also as a, a kind of mini collective of, of manifestors to, to hone those skills, to heal those mm. aspects of ourselves, most importantly because we are the initiators of the collective. Yeah. So we... <laughs> Whatever is going on in relationships in the collective is actually initiated energetically by us. So we need to take that pretty seriously, I feel, as much as we can without being overly anxious and overly burdened by it. So yeah. you you and I are in very different life positions, <laughs> right? Yeah. Where uh, I am, I am nearly 40 and I am uh, married. I've been in a long-term marriage for 18 years and I have three wow. children, uh, but you are not at all. You are like the opposite end of the spectrum, yeah? Yeah, so um, I I am not married. I do not have children. Um, I was in a relationship for almost three and a half years, and we recently broke up um, about two months ago now. And I got to say, it's been a journey. It It was the hardest um, breakup I've had to go through in a lot of ways because, um, it was the first time that I was open to marriage and I was actually like, so in love with this person, you know, before him, I kind of felt, and I don't know if this is like maybe partially a manifestor thing. I kind of always felt like constricted in relationships. Mm -hmm. I always felt kind of like, Oh, I can't really be myself or like controlled or compressed, whatever. It just didn't feel right. And when I dated my ex, um, it felt so good, especially in the beginning that I was like, oh my God, this is why people want to be in relationships. Like it makes sense. And there are so many aspects of being with him that were so magical that it opened my eyes to being like, I I think I could be in a very long-term thing. I think I could get married. Um, and there was some discussion of that, but uh, we decided to not <laughs> go <laughs> our separate ways. Um, he was a four, six emotional manifesting generator, which is my type apparently, because every <laughs> boyfriend I have ever had has been a four, six emo manifesting generator. I, I don't understand. Like I, four different boyfriends have all been this exact type. <laughs> so it's really interesting to be in this, like Holly and I were both kind of going through relationship struggles at the same time. And it looked like she was going to go one way and I was going to go the other way. And then we kind of did a little switcheroo. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't know if you want to talk about what, what you've been going through. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, obviously as a, a four, six manifesto, that, that four line in me being my conscious profile line, relationships are actually fundamental to me. They're, they're fundamental to, um, my overall health. My dog is barking in the background. Sorry. And we're all just going to deal with that. We're going to deal with that because I love agreeing them with you. Yeah, he is. I locked them inside, <laughs> but they somehow got out. And so we're just going to smile through that. Um, yeah. As, as a, a four line, especially a conscious four line, it, relationships are actually so integrated into my energetic health and to my physical health, to my um, overall ability to just exist in the world as myself. I mean, as, as four lines, relationships are the things that give us security and stability. And I don't think that I'd necessarily ever paid too much attention to that beforehand. Um, certainly not before last year, like 
I'd always recognize that, you know, there's the big, the big network and the big social circle and and then also the intimate social circle that comes with being a four line. Um, but it wasn't until I started changing around a number of my key relationships last year that the how interwoven they all with me are with me became really apparent. So um I when was it? Uh, October last year, my husband and I separated after uh, 17 years. That was your six. That, that was your was, month six. Yeah. That was my year month five. six. And yes. five, by the way, for those who don't know, is change. And six is known as like the marriage or divorce time in numerology. So you were right on time. I was. I was bang on time. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and obviously, that was not something that had shown up out of the blue that, you know, we were revisiting um, issues that we have had for the entirety of our relationship. And uh, it just arrived at a point where for me, recognizing myself as the initiator as well, I I felt that I was emotionally done with circling yeah. that issue after nearly two decades. And um, so I initiated that separation and my husband was in agreement with that. And uh, we actually had a really a really beautiful separation. I um, think I was pretty surprised by that. It was very peaceful, certainly a great deal of grief, huge amount of grief. And, uh, you know, we were managing our children's emotions through that experience as well. It's a a big change for kids to have their parents separate. Um, But we, we were able to really move fairly easily into a relationship that was um, built on friendship and respect, and our focus was on being incredibly good co-parents, um, mm-hmm. and so that that meant that we maintained the peace. And uh, for several months, I kept that completely insular. I think that there were maybe five people in my life that knew about that. Caitlin, you were one of them, um, yeah. and that was not public knowledge. Not even in my my personal life, it wasn't public knowledge. I didn't inform people of that, and that allowed it to really be this this beautiful bubble where it was just my husband is a projector he's a force explanic projector and it was this really kind of gorgeous exchange of me being able to initiate the way that that needed to go for healing um and him being open to those invitations and surprisingly i mean we were we very much entered that separation uh, with the intention of divorce that was our trajectory there was no consideration of you know this is a trial period or we're getting back together we had done um marriage like couples therapy we felt that you know we'd we'd given it everything that we could um and uh, incredibly uh, nearly six months later five months or so later we got back together and wow was it a full five months yeah. It was such a crazy time. It feels like such a blur now. And I'm like thinking back to all our conversations, but it was a full five months of living apart. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was, um, yeah. End of September to March. Yeah. We officially wow. were back together for, from my birthday. Um, and also for those of you listening, like I was talking with Holly almost every day and like, this was not like the door was closed for you. Like, I remember that very clearly, like you were you had initiated it and you were so 
clear on your why and you really stood your ground and you were really handling it with so much grace. Mm -hmm. And like, it wasn't like, you know, I see a lot of people who go through breakups and they kind of leave the door open. They're like, well, maybe. And for you, you were like, no, I'm done. There is no reconciliation possible. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, that was the mindset for both of us. We were, we were both on board with that being the experience that we were having. And I think in retrospect, what that actually allowed for was this um, very distinct separation of our energies from each other. And this is what I learned so much through those, those five months is that as a manifester, when you have somebody intimately in your energy for a long period of time, who is not another manifester, but one of the other energy types, um, they become very reliant on you oh my god as the initiator oh my god. That, it's just this so, resonates so right? much it's yes. so integrated it just becomes so so integrated and that it had really it's subconscious like people course. don't realize that they're borrowing the energy from you and of course it's not like a conscious thing it's not like your husband or my ex-boyfriend or whoever is like oh i'm gonna take on their energy to initiate, but that's exactly what happens when you're in relationship with a manifester. And I actually have a good story about this in a moment, but I want to let you finish. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll get back to the story. Um, yeah. You know, and, and over time, over all of those years together of being together so intimately, that really placed him in the position where he just was never never taking any ownership over his own journey, his own story, right? His own wounds, his own healing, even his own ambitions, his own desires, his own energetic management. That was all under my realm. That was all up to me to do, which of course is out of alignment for both of us, completely out of alignment for both of us. So mm. having that yeah, Especially as a projector. Correct. Yeah. He was bitter. He was absolutely bitter not at me, at himself. And I was resentful of myself, right? I was really angry at myself. So having that, having that separation of actually, yes, leaving our marriage to die, to completely have a death of that marriage and to physically be very separate. So we were in different houses and shared custody of our children and all of those things. Um, that gave him his own space, to see his own energy and to see himself. And, and ultimately what changed the whole course of this relationship was that he, for himself, began investing in his own healing journey and started working with um, a person who does like a lot of uh, NLP stuff, a lot of like inner child healing. Um, he had a, a remarkably intense turnaround in a three to four month period and we were then able to, much to the surprise of both of us, totally to the surprise of both of us, we we were both able to come back together and form what we now have, which is a completely different marriage from what I've ever had before. So in my mind, this is a wow. this is a whole new relationship with a person who is very familiar to me, but a person who is now very much embodied in his own energy. And that allows me wow, to be in my energy. Wow. I love that, especially because like you, you hear stories like this and the guy will like try and come back like a year later, but you know, and like the door is closed by them. But the fact that he was able to have such like a quick turnaround is pretty incredible. And I do think there's something to like, kind of like the enmeshment that happens between energies, like all subconsciously. Right. And it's interesting because 
since my breakup and also another thing I didn't realize about our breakups that we haven't even talked about when my ex and I were having the breakup talk, I was, I went over there and I was expecting to like have a really strong emotional breakdown or like, you know, whatever. And the whole time we were kind of talking through our relationship and breaking up, like I felt so much peace and gratitude. It was so weird. It was like the most beautiful, loving breakup I've ever had. And I think maybe that has something to do with just like our signature being peace. Right. And maybe we just like knew this was the right step at the right time. Do you think maybe that's what it was that we both had these like peaceful breakups, even though we were in so much grief? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think the interesting thing about um, that specific conversation for you too, in, in having that breakup conversation was that um, you were very clear specifically with what energy you were going into that conversation with mm-hmm. and how yeah. you were initiating that. Yeah. And, and you'd had, you'd informed him before you even got to that conversation. Oh yeah. You helped me with that. Okay. So before I went over there to have that talk, um, I was chatting with Holly and Holly really helped me to set a firm boundary and to, again, inform, like, here's how I would like it to go. And I set that intention and it, it really did happen. Like, even though, you know, I, I was heartbroken, I'm still heartbroken. Um, it was, it was a peaceful conversation with filled with a lot of love, which was amazing. But, you know, again, like back to like initiating. Um, so since this breakup, I haven't been sleeping and I was having like even nights with panic attacks where I'd wake up having panic attacks, which is not like me. I'm just not really an anxious person. Um, I'll get sad, but like anxiety is not my go-to emotion. And I've been trying to figure out like, what is this anxiety in the middle of the night? And I tried everything, right? Like processing and therapy and exercise and sweating it out and journaling and like everything, right? And nothing was working. And after like a good solid like month and a half of no sleep, I finally saw um, ener- an energy healer just to kind of talk through some things. And she said to me, you know, you may not realize this, but like while you were together, you were actually taking on a lot of his energy and initiating and processing for him. And so some of the anxiety you're experiencing at night, and and he's someone who does experience anxiety. Um, she's like, that's not even yours to carry and you're still carrying it. Mm-hmm. And so I did like a cord cutting exercise. I was able to sleep through the night, no anxiety at all. Like I tried everything and that was the thing I needed to do. And I'm just wondering, like from your perspective, since you're such an expert on manifestors and human design, like, do you find that with manifestor relationships where like we are unconsciously doing the work for our partners and energetically kind of like taking that on and even like initiating things for them? I I think that the whole concept of uh, like taking on the energy of your partner and trying to process it for them is less about being a manifester and more about being a woman in a patriarchal oh, yeah. society, right? That that's, 100%. Yeah, like that is deep, deeply entrenched in our, our conditioning. It's wired into our DNA. Um, and that's a... a I think a very long-term uphill journey to dismantle that within ourselves and within our relationships. But what I think is unique to manifestors is that, um, you know, we have this perception that because we have a closed aura that nobody is ever in our aura and that's not true. 
that's not true at all, right? Our our aura is dense and it's protective and it's repellent. I mean, closed, I think, is actually probably the worst word for it because yeah. um, it's not closed. It's not impenetrable. It's just dense and big and heavy. And it, it does that in order to be protective, in order to ensure that the vast majority of people are not going to be accidentally tripping up through our energy. But what manifestors do experience is that those that we have intimately in our lives, and this is why our our freedom of choice in relationships is so important, so important. We need to have autonomous control over who is intimate with us and who is not intimate with us. Because when people are intimate with us, they're in our aura. That's They're up in our energy. And I think that that, that closeness to the manifester within our own auric space is arguably the most sensitive of all of the types, right? It's it's the most kind of exquisite and special and incredibly vulnerable because we are the ones who are not used to having that on display all the time. We haven't been born and grown up in a world where we have people moving through that We've been born and grown up in an experience where we we kind of hand pick the people who come in, and all of us will have had a number of, you know, largely traumatic experiences in relationships where we've allowed people to come into that space, or we've had people force their way into that auric space with us, um, and they have been unaligned for us, and they've caused us a lot of damage. So, I, like, I think we need to have grace for ourselves that there's part of this that we we can't control like we're we're messy humans and we make our best choices in relationships and when we allow someone to be intimately close to us yeah we are going to share their energy just like everybody else is and and we just don't have as much of a tolerance for that our bodies are going to have you know reactive symptoms to that because we're not designed to hold that for long periods oh yeah i mean talk about <laughs> before this happened um you know, another thing about just the aura, that's also something that I, I kind of struggle with and forget about all the time. People can't actually tell what I'm feeling and thinking as much as I think that they can. That was also something I really learned in my last relationship. To, it, again, informing does not come natural to mm. us, even mm. though it's what we're meant to do and what we're designed to do. Um, but there are so many times now being like, wow, I maybe could have ha- could have informed him of how I was feeling in this moment instead of thinking like it was obvious. And like for most people, it is like how they're feeling. But again, for manifestors, it's funny because being new to Nashville, I've made a lot of friends here and a lot of them are manifestors. Mm. And I can tell that even though I'm very, some of them, I can tell like, oh, I, I can't actually tell where you're at right now. And it's almost like I can understand that experience of being in a relationship with us where we might be like really angry and, yeah. or really hurt. And there were moments with my ex where he thought I just genuinely didn't feel emotion towards something. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like all on my mind right now. It's like really helped enforce, like, I, I got to like, let people around me know more, especially the people we're, we're in relationships with how we're feeling. Cause they do not know. And just for years and you live with them and you're intimate with them. Like, okay. So we we're recording this in the middle of Mercury retrograde in between two eclipses. So maybe not the ideal to <laughs> ideal time to record a podcast. We're having some technical difficulties, but hopefully we are back on board and we're just going to restart from the wisdom that Caitlin was sharing. You were, you were talking about uh, the need to inform people 
in relationships as a manifest. Yeah. It, it, well, you know, it's interesting because when I was with my ex-boyfriend and again, we were together for three and a half years. Like it's been really interesting. Um, we're no contact. We're not in each other's lives at all anymore. And it's been a two, like two full months, which doesn't sound like a long time. But when you spent every single day with someone for that long, like two months feels like a long time. So I'm able to really reflect and I'm, I'm, you know, processing everything and looking at it in a new way. And something that's really become apparent is just like how important it is to inform. Cause there were so many times where I thought it was obvious how I felt about something or I don't know. I thought I was communicating properly. And I look back and I'm like, there were times I could have informed more. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of times where like towards the end, he expressed that he felt like I didn't care. And that was just so strange to me. Cause like, you know, he was like my entire world. Um, and you know, is still someone I love very much and feel that I will always love. And it's like, so crazy for me to, to look back and think that he ever questioned that. But again, like people cannot read us no matter how close they are to us. And I'm sure even the people who are listening right now have experienced that even like with your family, like even growing up, like I felt super misunderstood. Like I thought I was like expressing my, my feelings, but it it doesn't always come off as we intend. Right. Especially here as a three, five, it can get very messy, but yeah, I'm sure you've learned that hard lesson of informing in long-term relationships the hard way too. Yeah. I, I, well, I would hope all of us have. I hope so. And there's some there's some argument about this too. Like uh, there are some manifestors who feel that, you know, their their close partners and their close friends can read them and can anticipate them because they, you know, they're like, oh, well, my partner is a projector or my partner is a reflector. Usually those are the two ones that that come up. Um, but mm-hmm. my belief is that that's, that's incorrect, that we're talking about energetic mechanics here our aura doesn't change. Our aura doesn't change just because somebody is intimate with us. But what does happen in human relationships that we have been in for a long period of time, and certainly ones that are more intimate, whether that's romantic or sexual or familial or emotional, whatever that may be, um, is that we have mirror neurons. This is how humans are neurologically wired. We're wired to mirror people who are close to us and to then predict neurologically, we form neural pathways where we predict people's behavior based on subconscious cues. So those people who are close to you, if you feel like they really know you well as a manifester and they understand what you're thinking and what you're feeling, it's likely because their brain has wired around understanding that oh, you know, when you're angry, you look like this, or when you need space, you look like this, right? None of that will detract from the fact that as a manifester, you still have to be so consciously on top of and disciplined in informing. The more intimate the relationship, the more informing needs to be done. Even in those moments when it just, oh, you know, when you hit those moments where you're like, I'm tired and I am done with informing and I just, I have to like drag it out of my throat. I don't like, even as I'm informing, I don't want to be informing, but I know that I need to, because in my opinion, personally, that is the single greatest offering of love that a manifesto can give another person in their lives is to inform on as much as you possibly can. 
And I think uh, so much conflict can be avoided when you're informing too. That's something I really learned. Like, I think, you know, like I'm really good at informing after the fact because I'm I, like, again, it just doesn't occur to me to inform. And now post breakup, I'm finding myself informing like my friends and my family constantly now, because I'm I'm just seeing like people's reactions to us. It's still so surprising. I don't know why, <laughs> like it still surprises me after like 30 something years. Like I'm still sitting here like, wait, I impact you. Why do you care? Like <laughs> it still shocks me that I even put something on Instagram and people even respond. I'm like, really? Like, cause again, as a manifester, we, we don't look at others that way. So we're like, huh, this is, in but honestly, like th that's out of all the, like the lessons I've learned, that's been one of the most important is to like inform and inform before you take action only like to, again, the people it's going to impact and your closest loved ones. I think again, there's two sides to the street, right? But that's like something that I'm, I'm looking at on my side post breakup. Yeah. Yeah. I think we need to be consciously informing like throughout the entirety of a process. I think that's been one of the really curious things that has come up for me personally in restarting this relationship with my husband is that um, I identified that I, for all of these years that we were together, I was not open at all to sharing verbally or informing the messy part of my process. It's very line six of me, right? Like I want to do that all internally and get that all oh set God. into its little places. And I think line five's experience this <laughs> too, right? We're like, I, I, I no, both it, it reminds me of my ex too. Cause he's a four, six. Yeah. <laughs> and he kind of wanted to like come to me once he had things figured out. And I'm like, yeah why can't we work this out together? Which maybe is how your husband felt. 100%. And my husband being a projector, like that's a space that he really feels valued, right? Is if I come to him and say, help me with the process, help guide me through this. Um, and so he was feeling like that was a reinforcement of his lack of worthiness as a person. And I was feeling like that's that's too scary for me to show the mess of my process to anyone ever. And, you know, I've, I've touched on it a little bit before, but my background is significant trauma. I mean, like my, my childhood and, and my family upbringing, it's like a documentary series, right? So trauma is nothing new to me, but I think that I am at a point in addressing my trauma journey for God, I don't know, the 15th time now. Like I've been, <laughs> I've been working yeah, on my trauma since I was 17, you know, it's 20, 22 years now. Um, I'm at a point in my trauma journey where I'm really consciously working with someone to dive down into these very unconscious behavioral places and see, oh, okay, I can see that this is what is happening in my relationships there's the pattern. That's that's what's going on. Or this is what's being reflected back to me from another person. How does that originate within me? Where does that, what trauma is that connected to? And can I pull that up and actually deal with it? Um, and yeah, identifying that I was refusing to be messy and to verbalize my internal process with another person was one of the things that came from that. And just that one shift alone has actually been very healing between us because as a projector, 
he's validated, right? He's like, he's the most intimate yeah. person in there doing it with me and, and guiding that. Um, and I feel like that gives me and my central nervous system more data to feel safe in sharing it. Mm. But at least at the point that it's at right now, for me to do that, for me to share the process that I would normally just do within, that's all informing. It's all informing. It's oh, just yeah. like wow. I have to make that inner in our monologue and outer dialogue. And um, that's pretty tiring to do. It's pretty confronting. Actually. It, it is tiring. It just, it's so unnatural for some reason, I think, because like whenever we feel like we want to do something, the energy is so strong. We're just like, oh, I'm going to get up and do this now. And yeah. we don't think we just act before we think. And it's like hard for our loved ones sometimes because they're like, wait a minute, what's going on? What are you doing? Where are you going? Why don't I know this? I, you know, and I think if we were going to take responsibility for any element of this, I think that that's what facilitates these situations with people becoming reliant on our energy because we're just, oh, we're yeah. just charging forward, right? We're freight trains. We're like, I have a thing and I've got the energy and I'm going to do it and I'm going to go there and get on board or don't get on board. And that's really inspiring for people. And when we are in that creative space, when we are moving and we are initiating, that's a lot of energy to share. We have oodles to go yeah. around, right? We have so much to share. And I think we need to be mindful of who is kind of jumping on that train with us and not not to be, you know, like limited about it at all, but who am I bringing with me on this journey and do I need to make any decisions about when I ultimately come out of this creative energy and move back into my rest energy? Can I sustain that person still being up in my space or do I need to enforce yes. them to separate from me a bit? Well, that's another thing too, because we're such like a start-stop energy. Um, and, you know, I think that was something I also experienced. Um, so I was, for those of you who don't know, obviously Holly knows, um, I was very, very sick, um, like almost died, had a lot happen to me. And I actually was like pretty much bedridden. Uh, for most of November and December and January. Um, it was a really hard time because I've never really experienced health issues like that before. And I think like what also comp compounded that was the fact that I also was burnt out as a manifester. Um, maybe the two are linked as well. That's a conversation for another time. Um, but that was, that was an interesting thing because before I was sick, I was giving a lot of energy to my relationship um, and making my relationship work. And then obviously when I was sick, I could not really give that much energy. And what's interesting is like, looking back, we never actually had a discussion about that. Like he knew I was sick and obviously he was there, but I never informed him, Hey, I'm not going to be giving as much. Right. But now looking back, I kind of wonder the, the energy, like the, the dynamics between us when suddenly he was used to getting so much of my energy and then I had to pull it all back to give it to myself. You know, I, I think some of that was felt. And I think some of that came out in some of the like arguments that we had that like, you couldn't really articulate what was off, but energetically, again, this is all reflection. Now, this is not <laughs> something that I was seeing during, during that. But like, do you have any thoughts on that? Have you kind of experienced that within energy dynamics and relationships you've had maybe even outside of your husband? Well, I think like, um, being somebody that was able to observe that process for you, that 
identifying that within yourself that you were unable to give energy to your relationship and really needed to be nurtured and have that energy returned to you, but that was not something that you previously informed on. Um, That was the catalyst for that final process between you guys because that started a series of of arguments. Um, Mm -hmm. And certainly, you know, as your your, uh, ex-partner was a manifesting generator, then all of that anger and frustration started coming out and being leveled directly yeah, at that you. That was hard. Yeah. That was yeah. really and tough. <laughs> I, I that's worth discussing, you know, this, this, um, the differences in the way that we navigate relationships between different types. I think that, again, we could probably say this for reflectors too, but I certainly know that as a manifester, we really feel the difference in different people's energy types when they they come at us and um i've always had uh, a bit of a i think a, a soft squishy place because like you know my my husband is a projector i've got a projector kid a manifester kid and then a generator kid but even my generator kid she's a 62 sacral generator and she's got oh, heaps damn. of openness okay. in her chart open <laughs> throat so like she's real soft right she retreats a lot she's very introverted um so it's not that heavy sacral energy up in your face but as we've been journeying through all of this as Caitlin is well aware i i also developed a very close friendship with a 62 sacral mg and that was the first time i had ever allowed an mg very close up in my energy and my mother is an MG. I have a very difficult history with that. And and I I worked out somewhere along the way. I'm pretty sure I said like, oh, I've just realized why I've always unconsciously avoided relationships with MGs because yeah. it triggers this for me. It triggers all of these uh, difficulties and conflicts and traumas in the relationship with my mother. Um, Whoa, my mom's an MG too. And I also have mommy issue. <laughs> 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 which I've, I've, I've spent a lot of time healing. I'm, I feel yeah. good now, but whoa, I just like kind of connected that for my, I'm going to go have to journal about this later. <laughs> Maybe that's why I've MGs sub- are your type. Well, what's weird is I've subconsciously chosen them because I didn't discover human design until what, 2016. And then I went back and looked at every single X. And then, you know, when I met my most recent partner, like I wasn't the first thing I did wasn't like get his information. I mean, that was like day two, right? But not day one. <laughs> like a small delay, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but interestingly, you know, what you and I were experiencing at the same time um, was that we were both journeying through these same difficulties being in emotional intimacy with an MG that we were seeing these like same behaviors coming back from those MGs in our lives. And yeah. you were so much better at that than me. You were so good at it, I guess, because you, you're like used to it. You've done that in relationships before. I was, yeah, I think that's I was why. like, oh my God, this is killing me. <laughs> I don't want to be in this. Well, when, when they get frustrated, it is like, whoa. Mm, it's vicious it's a lot especially with yeah it can be vicious and especially with that sacral energy and I found I don't know what it is I found this with MGs in general I'm not trying to like listen I love MGs okay they're great a lot of my best friends are but I found that again like I almost feel bad saying this but 
a lot of my experience with them is that there's like a lack of accountability mm. for those like kind of frustration, anger outbursts that they have. And like, obviously as manifestors are not self-theme is anger too, but like, it does take a lot for me to get to that point. And it just tells me, Hey, I need to remove myself from the situation because something's out of alignment. But when I have had those moments of anger and reactivity, I always try and, and do my best to own that and say, okay, like I should not have gone about it that way. Here's why. But a lot of MGs, they, they're like, when I've called them out, I'm like, Hey, like that was kind of spicy. They're like, no, it wasn't. And I'm mm. like, you seem really angry. They're like, no, I'm not. And I'm like, mm. well, you just kind of yelled. I don't know. That sounds like you're angry. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you <laughs> had that, like, even with your mom. Like, oh, so much. Yeah. So yeah. much. Yeah. <laughs> I think that the, the really big difference between um, MGs and manifestors in the way that our energy is used is that because of the sacral push that M MGs have behind them, they are like a cyclone. They are a force yeah. of nature and it can be something that is incredibly powerful, that builds things, that creates transformation, like it is strong. And it can also be insanely destructive very, very quickly. Um, Especially for non-sacral beings, I feel yeah, like yeah. That, that energy feels really intense because, you know, I... I've never been in a serious relationship with a projector or a manifester, but I have dated a, a projector. I have dated a manifester. And when they had like strong shows of emotion, it didn't feel overpowering where like being with an MG, I, it's that sacral and, and my ex also had a defined root and I don't. So it's like all of that coming at me and I'm like, whoa, oh my God, how do I yeah. feel like I'm in a hurricane? How do I navigate this? Like, how do I bring this down to a place of peace, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think what I've been identifying in this, this uh, relationship with this MG, which we're, we're still hanging on with, with that line. It's been a wild freaking ride, but we're still there. And, you know, what I've identified is that he's, he is energetically bigger than me. He just is. He's energetically wow. more, more powerful than me. And that was a, a, a lot to swallow just that clarity because I have orchestrated a life for myself really in this, this subconscious attempt at creating safety as a trauma kid. Um, I've orchestrated this life for myself where I am the biggest energetically I'm the yeah. biggest person I'm top dog everywhere and um so people don't challenge me they're not they're not anywhere near enough to my energy to to challenge me and then I came across this person who is energetically bigger than me who has the same or higher level of intelligence who is incredibly emotionally intelligent and emotionally articulate um and is a six a conscious line six and I'm an unconscious line six and so if you've ever spent time with six twos, like, man, they can see, yeah. they see you and they just demolish you if they need to. Yeah. And um, yeah, that was, I think that was a lot to receive as a manifesto that I was like, oh, what you mean? I'm not the most powerful person in this dynamic. Like I, yeah. I have to surrender here and I don't know whether it's safe to surrender. I don't know if I can trust you to do that. And I guess like, that's probably the, the baseline of the issues that we've always dealt with between each other. But I also think to be honest, like now that you say that, like being challenged period as a manifester, like I, 
I, I don't, I definitely don't think I've like created a, a life where I'm the most powerful person. I'm actually like really attracted to power. Maybe it's my gate 45. I don't know. Um, but like it, I usually am not challenged. And that was, that is something that can be kind of triggering for me again, though, my subconscious Venus is gate 45. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll call myself out. Um, but that is hard when you're like, so challenged by someone and, and there's a part of you as a manifester and you're like, how dare you? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. How we dare you to each other a lot over the last six months? <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, how dare you speak to me like that? How dare you? But it's not even like a, it's not like a, Oh, I'm being disrespected. How dare you? It's more of like feeling like this, like regal queen energy. And you're like, (laughs) excuse you. And it's because like, we are not challenged that much. And even if we are, it's usually not by people who are so intimately linked to us. Right. Like usually when I'm, when I'm pushing something through into the world, anyone who might not be on board, it's like, I don't even see them. Yeah. But when you're like in love with someone or so close to them and they're challenging you in such a way to really face some shit or even just challenging you in a way that like maybe is not cool. You're like back up. What? (laughs) Yeah. I've had a lot of mental narrative over the last six months of like, I did not (laughs) consent to this <laughs> like you, you needed to ask it's my so permission before you challenged me with something and then I realized well no actually that's that's the whole purpose <laughs> of relationships <laughs> it's to like be lovingly challenged by people <laughs> exactly well and another thing that you and I have spoken about is you know Holly went through my synastry with my ex and I, she looked at our like human design charts and she's like, wow, you guys really are going to trigger each other. And I think it had something to do with like my unconscious Mars was his conscious Mars or vice versa or something. I forget right now. Um, and like looking back, I was like, wow, there are so many moments where I know that I deeply, deeply triggered this person. And in the moment I did not see it. And again, like we all do that in relationships. It's not like I was the only person triggering him. He triggered me. Like that's what we do in relationships. We're mirrors to each other, as you said, but the conversation that we had, I was like, Holly, like how much of this is actually my responsibility mm-hmm. to like see this. And then you kind of reminded me like, well, as a manifest, you kind of are initiating some of these things. And I think like, well, do you want to like speak more to that? Cause I feel like it would really help people. Yeah. I love that concept. Yeah. I think I've been paying a lot of attention to that within myself lately. And um, it was really curious that even Vanessa Henry happened to touch on this just recently in her I love her. Story. Isn't she a 6'2 or is she a 4'6? She is a 6'2 ego manifester. Yeah. And she is wow. punchy. You get up in Vanessa's space and you yeah. just get ready to be smacked by your own issues. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think that we cannot be careless with the impact of our energy on people. And for far too long, we have been. I think that manifestors actually Mm -hmm. tend more towards arrogance about our energetic impact because to be Because we can't understand it. We can't understand it. Yeah. We don't naturally see it. We don't, we don't know what's going on. And so we can just go around sort of dropping people (laughs) energetically and not paying attention to that. Um, And yes, we do. We are, we are catalytic energy beings that is what we do we we initiate all the time even in a rest cycle 
you are still initiating every way that you move, everything that you say, every energy that you experience in your body, you are initiating that in the environment around you. And that is going to be people and places and things and yourself. You are initiating yourself as well. And I've been trying to be really mindful of moving from a place of being an unconscious initiator into a conscious initiator, specifically Mm -hmm. in my relationships, understanding that whatever is getting mirrored back to me from this other person, and and if I was going to put a silver lining on it, thankfully I've had a great deal of conflict over the last eight months that I can be using as tools for reflection seeing all of this stuff that's being mirrored back, that's being shared back, what other people are feeling, what they're experiencing, what they're telling me, how they're behaving, and understand that I am, in fact, the originator. I initiated that. I did. I initiated it. I started it. And I probably did that unconsciously. And then once I understand that, I understand how I initiated that. Do I have a responsibility to do something about it? Like, did I initiate something in you that triggered you? And that's great because you need to take that trigger and you need to yeah. journey through it and move with it. Um, or did I initiate something in you that was actually hurtful for you? Yeah. You know, and I I need to be softer there. I need to be gentler and I, and I need to like reserve <laughs> some of what Words I'm initiating. That don't really go with the um, manifester. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. I've been learning a lot about bending, not breaking in relationships, about, about being soft as a manifester. And it's, it's very um, healing, but it's also pretty scary territory. And, you know, as you're aware of, which I think is like an interesting thing to bring in and touch on as well. Throughout all of this, you and I have also had a lot of shifts in our friendship circles as we've been going through all of this too, right? Like, you, oh, yeah, huge. Yeah, you really started um, being heavily investing your energy and your time in your partner and moving to Nashville and not having a social circle at all. Whereas I was in the opposite position where I had this kind of extensive social network that was too much, was feeling like there were too many people that weren't necessarily aligned. And then we flipped on that too. <laughs> You moved out yeah. of the relationship, you established and initiated this entire new social network very quickly. Um, and I started cutting people, retrenching people yeah. from my space. And so I personally went through this journey where I had removed my marriage from my life, but I also removed every single one of the key relationships in my life too. And looking back, that that was too much to do as a, as a four, because I felt untethered. Yeah. You know, and I went through a deep, which you were there for beautifully. I went through a deep depression, deep depression. And that, you know, that was incredibly hard Mm -hmm. and scary to go through. Um, But I removed, you know, the person who had been my best friend, I removed the relationship with my parents. Um, I removed a couple of other key relationships and all I had then remaining was this relationship with this new manifesting generator who was going through his own post-trauma experience and was not stable. So I think that we we need to be aware of as manifestors, if if we identify that we're initiating people in a way that they are not receiving, like I think we all have some of those relationships in our lives, friendships usually, mm-hmm. 
where we know that we're the initiator and we're being dragged down because of that. And, um, you know, people aren't growing. They're with us and they're in our space, but they're not growing and they're not coming with us as we move Mm -hmm. forward and and we need to cut that off. But we've got to grieve that. We have to do that responsibly for ourselves, I feel. But also what I found interesting is like I've had to cut a lot of people in my life just in general, especially as a three, five. Um, and it's interesting how like in your situation, I've experienced this too. Like sometimes you have to cut someone and then you guys can actually do the work and then they can come back and it's healthier Mm -hmm. because when you're kind of in the thick of things, you don't always, you don't even, you don't always realize the energetic dynamics and you don't always realize like how much as a manifestor you're taking on that like you really can't because if you're holding so much space for everyone else, then which a lot of us do, because a lot of us are people pleasers from our conditioning and childhood. Mm-hmm. It's like, we're not actually able to initiate anything for ourselves. And, you know, even with my relationship, like it's crazy. I, I didn't really know anyone in Nashville. And the moment that we decided to uh, separate it's like within a week, I can't even tell you how many friends I have. It's crazy. It's so it's just like, yeah. yeah, I know everyone's like, girl, when I first met you, you said you didn't know anyone. And now you're like the amount of people, you know, you know, more people than I do. And I've lived in Nashville for years. I'm like, it's crazy. So it's like, again, it's just understanding how much energy is, is going into things. And again, like that, that isn't like my ex's fault. Like I had kind of, while I was sick, really kind of made him my whole world in a way, because it felt like the one thing that was like stable and consistent. And I thought that I was like investing in this beautiful, long, long, long-term relationship. And um, yeah, I gave a lot, a lot of energy that like, maybe again, wasn't healthy for either of us. Because Mm -hmm. like you said, it's like, I'm giving you all this initiating energy, but like, you got to be the one to like initiate things for yourself. Like you got to be the one to heal and grow on yourself. It's like, I can't do everything for both of us. And there was a point where I thought I could, Oh, it would be enough. Yeah. Like, Oh, this relationship can work because I'll do everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's that sacral conditioning, right? When, when manifestors take on sacral conditioning, we essentially behave like MGs and then the more we come into alignment, the more we release that sacral conditioning, we begin to realize that we are not a limitless source of initiating. We have limitations. We have restrictions on that. And it's because the power with which we initiate when we do is so significant and so important that it then has to contract back in. We push out and then we have to contract back in. And and that's our creative versus our, our rest cycle. But we get in these relationships with people where we are just expanding all the time, right? We're initiating all the time. We're always pushing yeah. it. We're taking their stuff on. We're trying to take our stuff on. And it's not surprising that a lot of manifestors then struggle to initiate their own creative urges or to honor their rest. Absolutely. And, you know, then then we also, on top of that, I think, get involved in relationships with people who really love to be around us and and we like to receive that love but these are people who are not investing in their own growth journey so that each time we move as manifestors which we do all the time every creative cycle 
we're moving. We are taking giant steps forward and becoming entirely different people in entirely different spaces. Those people who are not growing independently on their own, they struggle to come with us. And I've really seen in myself that the way that I treated a lot of friendships, and I'm trying to undo this now, the way that I treated a lot of friendships was that I would go away and I would expand and I would do my manifesto thing and then I would come back and I'd kind of mm-hmm. dilute it. I'd mute it down. I'd be like, oh, I'm still close enough to who I was, at least to come back and kind of pretend. Um, and I didn't, I started getting angry because I didn't feel like yeah. I was being supported in too. my expansions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But so I, I think that we have to honor that we have to honor like if is this person in my life regardless of whether they love me or not is this person in my life actually able to come with me as I expand because they are also expanding or would I have to fit myself into a box to maintain peace with them because that's not good for me and it's not good for them yeah I mean, that's, that's a tall order too, for someone who's in a relationship with a manifester to be able to grow alongside us Mm -hmm. long-term. It's, it's a lot because like when we, it's like, when we decide to make a move, it's like, we don't like most people go one step at a time. It's like manifestors go from zero to a hundred really quick, you know? (laughs) Right. And it's kind of like finding someone who can journey with you seems like it's it's a big, it's a big ask. It's a big responsibility, I guess, to like, you know, be in relationship with a manifester. It is. It is. I, I think it is a big ask. I think it is a lot. And, um, I also, at this point in my journey, I don't see any other way of doing it. I think that's, that's what we need from our relationships as manifestors. Cause this whole rhetoric around, like manifest as being lone wolves and being independent and you don't need anyone and you just go alone. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. Mm -hmm. Like we need people just as much as everybody else needs people. The way that we need people is different, but we still need them. And um, our ability to initiate for the benefit of the collective is only useful if we're working with other people to do it, right? This is part of the whole exactly. human design. There's so many things system. we can't do. Correct. Correct. You know, we each energy type is important because we are all designed to work in harmony with each other. So um I yeah, I think that it's actually all right to be a very sovereign person as a manifester and say, for those who are close to me, for those who are in my inner circle, in my intimate space for the benefit of both of us, you do have to be somebody that can come with me, that can expand. You don't have to be me. You don't have to keep up with me, right? You don't have to do what I'm doing, but you need to be open to expansion as a regular thing because otherwise Mm. we're just going to hurt each other. Yeah. And, and as any, as like a single manifester, I think that's important to kind of inform anyone that you might be dating too. Like, Hey, like dating me might be a little different from the relationships you've had before. And this is kind of going to be the the ride that you're going to take with me if we're going to be together. And are you okay with that? Um, I'm obviously not dating anytime soon, but anyone who's <laughs> single here who's listening, yeah, definitely yeah. lead with that. 
I've been doing that in my friendships, you know, and um, mm. to to mixed responses. I think that this is part of the nuance of informing. People probably think you're like so in your ego too. They're probably oh, yeah. like, wow, someone's really full of themselves. Yeah. And then I'm really <laughs> intense. Like, whoa, you take this like yeah. so seriously. And then they get a few months in with me and they realize what I was trying to say to them about what this experience is like with me. And um, I wouldn't say that I've gotten that perfect. I wouldn't say that that is a strategy that resolves all (laughs) issues and all difficulties with being an initiator. Um, However, I do feel that it has created a baseline of boundaries for myself as a manifester that then when I get into these challenges with people where they're like, oh, whoa, like (laughs) you go so fast and you are so intense and you are so big and they're triggered by that, then I can say, yeah, but do you remember that you made a conscious agreement to be in this? And do we need to revisit that agreement? Because Mm -hmm. the alternative is, and this is the cycle that a lot of us get into, The alternative is that then we question ourselves as manifestors and say, am I too big? Am I too much? Do I need to be less to keep this other person happy? And I wanted to create an environment for myself in my relationships where as much as possible, I was not questioning myself in that way. Okay, folks, we lost internet temporarily again, but we're back up and we are going to do, we're going to finish off with some questions some of the questions that you guys sent in on Instagram. And it's actually like a really beautiful mix of ones that I think are going to be great for you, Caitlin, and and great for me. So let's dive into that. There was one that I wanted to ask you. um, What to do when you're a manifester and your whole family are generators and MGs? How do you behave? Because I know you have always been surrounded by a wow, lot. I don't know what that is. Yeah. But the brother I was closest to was also a manifester. Um, I, growing up, spent so much time going and sitting in my room all by myself and just like listening to music. And it makes so much sense why I did that now because it was a lot of sacral energy. And like my little, my youngest brother could always be with me and he didn't bother me because he's a manifester and has a ton of open centers. Um, but my other brother and my parents, I was like, I need to get away from y'all. So <laughs> I would just say, take a lot of breaks to kind of empty out that sacral energy. Like hmm. be alone too. like go into your room. Like sometimes I won't even go outside because it's like, I don't want to feel the energy of like strangers even around me because it's it's intense. So just like sitting alone in a space where you know it's your space and you feel safe. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I think what a lot of manifestors feel challenged with that too is uh, they think that like they won't be allowed to do that. Like, oh, that would be yeah. too hard. They won't let me take space. Well, this is where informing comes in. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was going to say. I would always tell people like, hey, I'm going to go. You know what I used to do? I used to say, I'm going to go in my room and meditate because the moment you say you're meditating, no one's going to come knock on your door. They're going to be like, oh, leave her alone. She's meditating. You could also say you're going to masturbate. Nobody will inter- you know, interrupt <laughs> while you're doing that. Just like make a boundary around it, right? <laughs> you, you might not want to say that to your family, but yeah, I mean, you could maybe say that to your friends, but then they're like, dude, like. <laughs> right. But I, I think that we actually overall need to get more um, direct with our informing and and stripping ourselves of that people-pleasing language where we say like, hey, our informing really can look like I'm going to go away and be on my own and I don't want you to interrupt me 
Yeah. That's actually okay to inform that way. It's very good because it makes it super clear to other people. And then if if people are not listening to that, I don't know if you experienced that in your family, if you ever tried informing as a kid and it, and it wasn't heard, um, then you know that it's not you, it's them. Like they are the ones who are not being respectful of your needs. Yeah, no, when I went to my room, no one bothered me. <laughs> but also like when I was younger, that manifest or anger was there. So nobody wanted to raise hell with me. <laughs> so everyone left me the fuck alone. <laughs> <laughs> How to use anger to your advantage, right? Sometimes yeah. And now it. I live alone, which yeah. I recommend to every manifester. Yes. I know a lot of manifestors really enjoy that experience of, of just being alone. I, I never have been. Never, never. So I love I, it. <laughs> I don't know what that's like. The happiest times in my life have been no, the happiest times in my life I've lived alone. And it's crazy because even when I was with my ex and again, I was in so in love with him. I still love him so, so, so much. He's so wonderful. But even then there are moments when I lived with him where I was like, I really, really miss living alone because it's just a sense of peace you can't get Yeah, if you live with someone else. Yeah, I did. Those are really the moments throughout my marriage separation that I did enjoy too when you know, it was sleeping alone made a huge difference. And of course I was only sleeping with a non-sacral. So in theory, it shouldn't have been a thing, but um, just being in my own energy, my, and my room became my own room and then yeah. sharing custody of the kids, right? There are periods of time where I was alone and that was profoundly healing. I, I felt like my life got a lot easier in those moments. Yeah. I could just hear myself. That was it. And that's all I needed to manage was my own energy. Yeah. Okay. We have a couple of similar questions. So how to uh, parent a generator as a manifesto parent and how to parent a projector as a manifesto parent. Um, I think that uh, like as a general overview, the relationship that you have with your kids of any energy type when you're a manifesto is, is um, hard. <laughs> it's just hard. Like, being a parent and being a manifester is a it very seems so challenging. It is. It's a very, very <laughs> difficult. Scares the hell thing. out of me. Yeah, it, it is. And it's I I don't ever try to like soften that down at all because um we're non-sacral. So we experience parenting just like all the other non-sacrals, meaning we can't keep up. We're tired. Yeah. We're investing a lot of energy in other people and responding. Oh my God, the level of responding that you do as a parent and looking after other people's needs is huge. And as a non-sacral being, that's automatically putting you out of alignment. But what's unique about manifestors as parents is that um, I think that across the board, being a parent inherently goes against our nature. Like I think it goes against what we're here to do. We're here to be. Yeah independent initiators so not filtered by anybody else's energy not filtered by anybody else's needs but following our own energy and just charging forward with that and mm -hmm. when you're a parent you can't do that so yeah you have to take a piece of yourself as a manifested parent and give it to your child or or your children and i do think in some ways it, it does it does diminish our capacity to do certain yeah. things and to initiate certain things. There's always the payoff, right? That I think as, as manifest mothers, especially like, heck, we're powerful. I've really noticed 
um, for my children, having a, me as a manifest, a mother, means that they have entered into this world, you know, constantly being catalyzed into this experience of own yourself, know yourself, love yourself, be sovereign within yourself. And um, so my children don't struggle with lack of confidence, with a lack of willingness to speak their mind. They are respectful children. They're also jerks sometimes because they're kids, but um, they're self-assured beings. And I get that reflection a lot from people, you know, people who interact with my kids or meet with my children that they say, wow, they're, they're really respectful, but they're really like, you know, self-contained, like they're self-assured, they're super confident. And like, I think that that comes from having a manifest a mother, from having that mm-hmm. figurehead who is your nurturer that also is constantly initiating you to expand yourself. Like, oh yeah. Oh my God. I can't cool. imagine if my mom was a manifester. <laughs> See, I know from the opposite side of the experience, my dad is a manifester. But he's very oh, out of alignment, very, very out of oh, alignment. Yeah, and so that's what important. I, yeah, what I grew up with was a manifest of father who was angry and violent. And that left damage for yeah. years and years. And he's he's way more mellow now that he's older, he's not angry anymore. Um, but that's that has already taken place. So mm-hmm. um I think as a manifest of parent as well, we need to be mindful of anger and how it's experienced by children who are emotionally learning from us and are emotionally dependent on us to to meet their needs for safety and for comfort. Um, I think that difference between like having a generator kid and having a projector kid is pretty massive. Like having one of each myself, that uh, generator kids are going to require a lot of responsiveness from you. Like that's, that's a place of alignment for them that they, like my generator daughter, just pummels me with questions all the time. Mm -hmm. She's 12. She asks a lot and I want to foster that so that it keeps our relationship open and communicative. But I do reach certain points where I say, I can't respond anymore. I can't, I can't give anymore. I'm tapped out. Like, can you go to your dad or (laughs) can you go to this other person? We have other adults set up in our lives that are specifically there, you know, to, to be a, place for our children to come to um like mm-hmm. can you go and ask one of them because like i i've got a limitation here babe i can't keep responding yeah. um and that's important whereas a projector kid i mean i saw this really cool reel recently from this human design chick who was talking about like the experience of what projector kids need from parents that like all these other kids will come up to you, you know, with, she was demonstrating it with a glass of water. Like they'll come up to you with your glass, their glass and a manifested kid needs like this tiny bit of water from a parent, like manifested kids need nothing from parents. Mm-hmm. And then like, you know, our reflectors and our MGs and our generators, they need like half a glass, right. Of water. And then the projector kids bring like six glasses up that need to be filled. <laughs> and then they it just <laughs> keeps going. Like it's never, it's never enough because they need constant validation and recognition mm-hmm. and reassurance. And um, that can be very hard as a manifest parent. Like I, my projector kid is 14. He's so loving. He's a four, six emotional projector. He is just the most beautiful soul. He just loves. 
he loves. His conscious son is gate 10. It's the gate of love. It's what he's oh, wow. here to do. Yeah. He just, and it's a 10 with a four-line expression. So he just loves in relationships. That's it. He just wants to love people. That's his whole embodiment. That's his whole purpose. And as a parent, being a manifester, I have limited supplies of being able to give <laughs> love constantly to other people in this overt way. And so, um, yeah, I do find that uh, like he'll he'll come for a hug and I'll flinch sometimes because I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, penetrating projector energy like coming into my aura. And, um, so I, I think my overall advice on like everything to do with parenting, regardless of what your energy type is as, as your children, is be mindful of the fact that you're a manifester. And so y- you are going to have, uh, I guess, like a lack of reserves Mm-hmm. on a whole number of different areas and if you can try to understand how that might be impacting your children and put measures in place to support them through that that don't require you to always be the one to do it that's the most healthy way i've found forward um but i know a lot of a lot of manifestors have pretty bad relationships with their parents i think you struggled with your relationship with your parents yeah yeah i mean definitely growing up um more with my mom um, my dad's a generator, my mom's an MG, but I, I actually like, I had this like crazy pivotal healing moment with my parents in January of 2022. And it just kind of like has been okay ever since, which is crazy, you know, took 30 years to get there, but we did. And I think a lot of it was informing actually, because they had said some things to me that were really, truly cruel and unkind, but also just not true. Mm -hmm. And so I finally was like, wow, you guys are saying these things to me and you actually don't know what you're talking about. So I called them both up individually and I was like, here's actually who I am and here's what I do. And here's how I'm operating in the world. Um, and they were like shocked actually when I initiated that and Mm -hmm. they never, neither of them ever said a mean thing to me ever again after that conversation. And I laid the boundary. I said, if either of you ever speaks to me this way or says those things to me again, I mean, they were exceptionally cruel. I'm not going to repeat them. Um, I will not be in your life. Mm-hmm. And neither of them ever. So crazy. It literally was my whole life. And it took just that one conversation of being like, you guys are wrong. I have receipts for why you're wrong. <laughs> Don't speak to me like that. It was really a, like such a pivotal moment in my life. I yeah. think, you know, probably indicates like the importance for teaching manifestors from such a young age to to be informing. And I guess for anybody yeah. who's around a manifestor in our family, like I teach my children to inform me because. Oh, yeah. That that's a love makes, language for me too. Right. It makes such a, such a difference. Um, I think that's the the most healing form of communication for a manifesto and from a manifesto. So, yeah. well, for us, we're like so focused on our creations and in our own aura that like, we don't think about what other people are doing necessarily, Mm-mm. you know? And then all of a sudden when we stop and we're like, wait a minute, what's going on? So mm-hmm. that's why like informing is so good for us too. Cause I'm like, oh, thank you for letting me know. I can like put that to rest and keep doing what I'm doing and not worry about it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think it makes it easier. <laughs> Okay, this is a good one for you. Uh, when I see Chiron with my Mars and Venus as a 6-2, I'm afraid I only have happiness in my life at 50 years old. Is that right? Mm. 
why at 50? I think that they're probably referring to that six line, right, that you you go up onto the mountain at at 50. Oh. But uh, that's a pretty wide misconception. Like it's you don't <laughs> you go from uh, living as a three line up until kind of your satin return uh, and then move mm. on to the roof after that, which is where you start to get really reflective and develop some wisdom. And then at around 50, so like that Chiron, you move from yeah. the then up to the mountain. And, and I think that there is a well, way. There's also that- Chiron's return too. Yeah. Yeah. Can so we talk was- about that Chiron return? I think that's a fascinating topic. Oh God, dude. Chiron return. I've been through so many clients through that transit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's brutal. Um, Chiron is the wounded healer. It's an asteroid. Um, so actually in the Vedic system, they don't even examine it, but in Western we do, and it's, uh, the wounded healer. But the thing about that you know, our Chiron shows us where our deepest, deepest wounding is. Um, mine, for example, is in cancer, which is like obviously wounding with the mother, right? Um, makes sense as you know, what I just shared, but where our deepest wounding is, is actually where we're meant to do the most work and then help others. So Mm. it's actually not like this, like death sentence of like, you're going to suffer forever with this one wound. It's like, this is where you'll be triggered the most. And of course, like, look at the house it's in, right? Cause that's going to tell you how it's expressing itself um, as well as the sign, but eventually you're meant to actually help people through that. Right. So like my Chiron is in cancer in the second house. So values and income, and it's coming through the lens of cancer. So anything having to do with cancer. And so again, it makes sense. Like, you know, me sharing my, my story around my mom or like me healing all my money wounds, then helping a lot of my clients heal their money wounds. And I talk about that a lot in my course too. Like a lot of my courses centered around, um, how to heal with how how to heal your money wounds and then manifest in that way and align with the numerological cycles. So I don't want anyone to like, think that it's like something to fear Mm -hmm. though. I will say when you do go through your Chiron's return, it's bumpy. It just is, you know, it's like, you kind of have to face your wounds again. Um, just to be like, have you really healed this? Mm -hmm. Which if anyone's into human design or listening to this, you've probably already done that. Um, so it's just another round of that, but I don't think I would ever put a limitation on myself and say like, I'm not going to be happy until after that, or I'm not going to be happy until X, Y, Z. I think happiness is a choice. Mm. Um, you know, even right now, like I am very heartbroken over my breakup and I'm, I'm moving through a lot of grief, but I am still waking up and consciously choosing to smile and choosing to surround myself with people that bring me joy and things that bring me joy and and choosing happiness. And even though I am dealing with grief, it's incredible how much humans can actually hold space for two emotions at the same time. Mm -hmm. So yes, you know, you, you may be experiencing a lot of pain, but you, you can also still feel the equal capacity for joy while you're in that. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, And I think that that narrative is exactly the same for that looking at that six line trajectory. It's not, you're not just going to suddenly come into yourself as a six line at 50. I mean, I'm, I'm in the roof process at the moment as a 39 year old line six. And um, it's profound how much peace 
and joy and happiness and abundance and prosperity that I experienced. I certainly look back at that um, pre-Saturn return time, right, operating as a three, and I can very clearly see that those uh, mistakes that I made and those failures that I had at that time, I mean, they formed the structure of, of my trauma um, amongst other things as well. And, and that is the purpose of being on the roof. But I don't like this whole conversation of, well, like, oh, as a six line, you know, you're just never going to be good until you're up on the mountain. No, fuck that. Like yeah. as a six line, you are you are powerful and you are wise and you are observational even when you're operating as a three line, right, before you're 30. Like yeah. you're doing that from 30 to 50. Like look at the work that some 30-year-old six lines out there are doing. Like Vanessa Henry is is a great example. Eden Carpenter, another example. Like we, I mean, Eden Carpenter is not even, she has, she's 25. She hasn't even hit her Saturn return yet. And like girl is out there making huge impact and, and making big transformation on people. So um, I, I think that we place our own limitations on our experience yeah. of happiness. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Well, I like this one. I want to initiate a conversation as a manifester, but I'm terrified of being ghosted. Does initiating guarantee a reply? What are your thoughts? Well, your aura is selective. So if someone is not going to respond to you, it means they're not supposed to be in your world. And why would you take that personally? That's literally the universe protecting you. Yeah. Like yeah. as manifestors, if you're meant to be in our lives, we're going to draw you in and you're going to love us. But if you're not meant to be in our lives, we will repel you. And I think that's a gift. Mm. Mm -hmm. I so agree. Like you can't take that shit personally. Yeah. It's not personal. It's not. And they can't even see you. They cannot see you. So it's 100% not personal. If someone chooses not to respond to you, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they can't even see you. <laughs> I love to, like, I've, I've been observing so much in other manifestors and of course in myself, this desire that we have to control the way that other people respond to us. <laughs> like yeah, It's never going to happen. Ever. Yeah, no, we don't. That's not how it works. Everybody else has autonomy too. Just like you have autonomy, they have autonomy. And so, yeah, you can initiate something and initiate the direction that you desire it to go. And then it's down to the other person to decide how they're going to respond to that or whether they're going to respond to that at all. And mm -hmm. we just need to accept that as manifestors. Like we're not, we're not the rulers of the universe. Like you don't get to <laughs> determine whether somebody responds to you or, or how they respond to you. But I, I really think we have a whole ton of ancestral programming within us from that royalty yeah. background where we think that we can demand that somebody does something with us, you know, and it's just, it's so untrue. And but it's, it's really so freeing. Cool others. But it's freeing to know, like, you know, especially because lately I've been a lot more social and, and going out a lot more. And I pay attention now to my energy and my aura and how I impact people. And I will like walk through a room 
And I will feel who I'm like pulling towards me and magnetizing towards me. And I will feel people like literally, they they like have to get away. (laughs) Like I'll feel that I'm repelling. And it's fascinating to me. Like I, I was with my friend the other day and we ran into one of her friends and this guy like would not even make eye contact with me. He wouldn't even look at me. And I could tell like he was so uncomfortable and I could tell like my energy, my aura was really just, it was too much for him. I could tell. Um, although he did come up to me like another day and was like, Hey, like very interested. But again, it's, it's that push pull again. It's like, repelled, uncomfortable. I don't know what to make of this energy. This is, this is different. This is foreign. This isn't what I'm used to. And then also being intrigued. So again, like what, you know, being ghosted or whatever, you're being protected, but also like what, what is time? Like you can think someone's ghosting you because they don't respond to you, but maybe they need time to formulate a response to you and their timeline's different from your timeline. Maybe they're going to respond to you in two months, Mm. but you'll get a response when it's aligned for them. Correct. And really when it's aligned for you too, right? Yeah. Right. I think this, uh, like this whole concept of manifest as being magnetizing or repelling, like it's, that's not, um, as binary as we like to approach it. Like you can magnetize somebody at one point and then a couple of months down the track, you will repel them. And the opposite. They're not supposed to be along. Correct. They're not supposed to be along for the journey long-term. Absolutely. Or you can repel somebody at first and then they can come back to you at another time and be magnetized to you like this. um, We don't control that, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it is a, it's an energetic mechanism that's designed to be supportive to everyone. Yeah, exactly. I, I like it. Makes me feel safe. Me too. I also feel safe mm-hmm. with that quality. I like it a lot. And I try to take like a pretty lighthearted, humorous attitude as a line four who hates repelling people and hates, you know, anybody being unhappy in any relational connection to me. Um, I try to take it with a lot of humor. Like, yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> bye. <laughs> I just don't, I don't take it work. personally. Cause it's just like, oh, it's just my energy. Like it's protecting me. And like, honestly, I don't have the capacity to have that many people in my space, in my life all the time. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, this is protecting me from like the people who might drain me and allowing the people in that I, that I actually need right now. Like the people I've manifested into my life in the past two months, I've manifested people who are supportive of healing and heartbreak. Those are the people who are really in my space. But now I'm feeling some of them start to leave. Mm-hmm. And that's because I'm moving kind of out of that space and more into a space of empowerment. And okay, I'm looking more to my future. What do I want to create? And so now I'm magnetizing new types of people into my life. So again, it's just cycles. Yeah, seasonal. It's so seasonal as a manifester, right? We have yeah. this real fluidity with how we move and and the people that need to be around us as we do that. I love that. Mm-hmm. I think we will wrap up there. I don't even know collectively how long we've been going for in between internet droppages and things, but I feel yeah. like it's been a while and we should probably wrap up there. Um, is there anything else that you particularly want to share about relationships? No, I think we've pretty much shared it all. I yeah. think if anyone's listening to this and they're going through any heartbreak right now, like you'll be okay. <laughs> like I, I've just been like in the depths of heartbreak and pain. And just, I think the thing that's helped me the most is observing the stories that I've been telling myself, you know, like the stories about the relationship or the stories of like 
what I thought my future was going to look like. And now it's different. And Mm. I think just be a conscious observer and like surround yourself with strong support. Cause I know so many people who are going through breakups right now. And listen, if you need to like lie on your floor and cry all night, just fucking do it. Like I literally did that two nights ago. It's like, sorry, I can't come out. Um, spoken like a yeah, true just be emotional gentle with authority. You're going through it. You emotional authorities everywhere. It's, it's like so. It's so brutal. <laughs> it's good. It's very healthy. No, exactly well, the thing is, need. well, I want to feel it as intensely as I can up front, so that I don't carry anything with me. Mm. You know, I'm very much like I don't know if it's the manifestor me or the three five in me. I'm just like fuck it. I'm gonna go full on to this healing, but I know that like. I'm going to heal this as quickly as, as humanly possible, as opposed to some people, they don't face it. They don't feel it. And guess what? Like six months later to a year, all of a sudden they're like, oh my God. And I don't want to be in that position. Yeah. And yet for me as an undefined emotional being who is splenic, I am trying to unteach myself. I'm trying to unlearn avoidance of intense emotions. I'm, mm. I'm learning consciously learning now how to witness and observe and be present with big emotions like grief. Um, yeah. Because we all, we all need to do it. We all need to do it. And I need to learn how my body regulates that. Well, I I'm typically avoidant. Um, and actually my last relationship helped me heal that. And the way that I did it was all the things I would naturally think to do in situations, I would do the opposite. So there would be times where I really didn't want to message him back and I would force myself to message him back or like something really put me off. And instead of like running away, I would be like, no, I'm going to sit with this. And it was so uncomfortable, but that really taught me like the importance of like dealing with something in the, in the moment so that it doesn't kind of build up and then somehow become this dead energetic weight that kind of, you know, weighs on you. Mm, So true. So true. So everybody, Caitlin is, I mean, in my mind, Caitlin is the person to go to, especially when it comes to numerology. I think that your your wisdom uh, in that language of numerology is just unmatched and it's so powerful and it's it's been really transformational for my life and the way that I operate. So uh, Caitlin has a course, a numerology course. Um, she also does numerology reports. I don't, you just recently opened up a super, mm-hmm. super small range of consultations, right? But I'm guessing that they're probably all booked out or close to. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I opened up 10 spots and within an hour they were booked out. So I was like, <laughs> hmm, does this, does this mean I should open up? But here's the thing. I'm like in this interesting cycle right now where I feel like a creative urge is about to come. So part of me like wants to open up a couple more spaces because I've actually been enjoying it. And the other part of me is like, I don't know what this urge is going to look like. (laughs) I don't know what it's going to require of me. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, if anyone is interested in getting a reading with me, um, you can sign up for my, my email list, my newsletter. And that's, that's how you can book with me. I I always announce it to them, not just willy nilly on Instagram. So if I ever open up spots again, you'll be the first to know if you're on my email list. (laughs) I love that. I love that. We're going to link absolutely everything in the show notes so you can get up in Caitlin's space. I love the content she creates. I love, I love being part of it. And, um, I have Caitlin's numerology planner. Likewise. Yeah. Thank you. I love, I love using the yearly 
planner. In fact, I have that on my list for today. I have to do my May month Yeah, because I've moved into a month. Two. Oh my God. Thank Christ. I'm out of my month one. Oh God. <laughs> that was a lot of work. So, oh um, God, no, you but now you're in the double relationship. I know. Now I'm in a you're six in the year double in relationship energy. Yeah. Yeah. Watch this space, guys. Oh, buckle up, girl. And May is going to be fun. <laughs> well, and the two energy is slow. So twos are really hard for manifestors to be in. Yeah. Ones are quick. Yeah. I'm feeling it already. I'm feeling the pace buckle change. Up. Yeah. <laughs> this is why numerology is really helpful. Yeah. I find it super complimentary to um, the experience of being in alignment as a manifestor because it gives you this really kind of structural insight into yourself. So definitely get up into Caitlin's yes. space and the content she creates and the products that she has. You're really going to experience so much benefit from it. And of course, thank you for being here. Thank you for being open and being vulnerable and exposing so much of your story and and really just for doing the work that you do in the world. Wow. Thank you. Likewise. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us today in another episode of the Hunting for Purpose podcast. We so enjoy having you here and whether you are listening to my insights or the wisdom of one of our other incredibly talented manifesto specialists, we really truly hope that you have taken away power, transformation and wisdom about your own manifesto magnificence. Before you go and switch off, we would be so humbly grateful if you could take the time to either leave a podcast review right on the platform that you're listening to, or if you feel like it, please do a share across your social media. We love to hear how each of the episodes is impacting you, and we love to provide an opportunity for you to inform us via social media. So please share a story or a post about this episode and tag us at The Manifesto Community. Until next time, please, manifestors, keep hunting for purpose.